0: He was the catalyst for Real Madrid's danger. Without Vinicius Junior, Liverpool don't have a, Real Madrid don't have a threat on the counter-attack, meaning Liverpool were able to play with a lot more freedom, um, less stress that they could be hit on the counter, and he was by far the key into the in this game. And it was fitting that he scored the goal. Started the start of the season, I was like, Manchester United will not get top four with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the helm. And with Ronaldo signing, there will only be a hindrance. I said... Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Two Foot Attack Podcast. I'm your host, Aris and today, welcome back to the final episode of the proper season. Um, I won't be gone for the off-season. I'll be here in spurts. It won't be... So, basically, what's... Let's just get straight into it, I guess. Um, what's going to happen over the off-season is I will be here... Um, not every tuesday so there won't be a weekly podcast but i'll be here if anything major happens that i want to speak about i'll i'll jump on for 20 30 minutes give my thoughts if if maybe i have maybe an interview with with someone maybe that could be a podcast i might get someone on for a chat we will just have a have a chinwag about the season that just happened or the pre-season for next season whatever but i'll be i'll be here not in a weekly format, but I'll be here in in a sporadic fashion up until the second week, so two weeks before the start of the season, I'll be back giving my thoughts in on a weekly basis, and then we'll kick on until the proper season, and then the World Cup happens, and we'll see what happens with we'll see what happens with the World Cup. But I hope the week treated you well. I hope the football treated you well. We're done. The European season is finished. Champions League final happened. Um, there's already been some transfer news with a Liverpool player jumping ship. Um, the A League grand final happened. The A League men's grand final happened over the weekend, and I want to react to my Premier League predictions. Now, you guys obviously don't know what my Premier League predictions are because I did it before the podcast started. But I've got them written down. This was these were written like a, probably a day before the Arsenal Brentford game. So if any transfers happened after that. I don't know. They obviously weren't changed, so we'll we'll, we'll see what they are. Um, so, yes, let's just start with the Champions League final, shall we? And let's start with with probably the main talking point. I want to come out of it, and this was it's happened again. Um, I think that that was the main thing that came out of that I came out of the game with is that. It's happened again. Um, it, it was it was just you almost couldn't ride it. Now, I mean, let's just let's go back. Actually, let's start from the start of the game and let's start with the lineups. And can I just say I'll touch on UEFA and the French police and the stadium and what happened before the game. A little bit later on, you guys would know. Loyal listeners would know what I'm what i mean, what I mean by that. But we'll touch on it. Don't worry. Um, so. Obviously, the lineups came out. Real Madrid, for some reason, decided to announce their lineup four hours before kick-off. I mean, mean you do, you? But I'm pretty. Sure no one was shocked by their lineup. Obviously, Valverde playing on the right-hand side, uh, Benzema, Vinicius, that midfield three, which we all have come to know and love. The back four standard as always, and then Courtois in goal. And then with Liverpool, it was touch and go to see whether or not Thiago and Fabinho would be fit. Both were fit. Both were playing. So. That pretty much gave Liverpool as close to a full strength team as you could have hoped. Um, obviously, they, they went with Kanate instead of Matip, which. Okay. I mean, I'm not really sure that would have made a massive difference. Kanate um, oh, over Matip or Gomez. I thought Kanate played very well, just quietly. Um, and then the front three, they went with Salah Diaz, either side of Sadio Mano. So. That was a lineup for for either side. I feel like it was an expected lineup from either side. I'm not sure there was too many shocks. No man neither manager decided to throw a little bit of a curveball. Um, and the game pa- played out as well as well not as well, but the game panned out as I thought it would. I thought Liverpool would had would have the fair share of possession, would have the the lion's share of chances, would have the most amount of dominance over the game. It was one of those things of okay, they just need a breakthrough early and they had a couple of big chances and Thibaut Courtois, which will become a theme as I speak about this game, was absolutely monstrous. Saving a Sadio Mane shot onto the post, saving a Salah cut back. They they had the chances, Liverpool in the first half. And it it was a game of, all right, who strikes first? And Liverpool were by far the more dominant side. I thought that's undisputed. By far the more dominant side, by far the better team over the first half, um, and they went into halftime nil-nil after a pretty back and forth game. It wasn't as cagey turn it wasn't as cagey as what I thought it would be. Obviously, we had the Man City Chelsea final last year it was cagey, um, and even even the the final before that between PSG and Bayern Munich was cagey as well. I felt like this was a little bit more free free flowing and i felt like a lot of space was given to either team and one in particular i felt like the midfield of real madrid played a very underrated role they gave surprisingly their role was that they gave the liverpool's midfield so much space so much space it was i mean football manager football manager players would understand what i'm saying but the line of engagement for real madrid was much higher Whereas the defensive line was lower or much lower, and what that means for those who don't play FM is they 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 wish they had a lot of depth. Real Madrid had a lot of depth to their game, so their back four and their back seven, even if you count the midfield three, was sitting really deep, was sitting relatively deep. Whereas that attacking three was sitting really high. So what that allowed was quick direct counter attacks that took territory and that took a lot of. Um, that took the Liverpool midfield out of it, so they didn't have to play through the midfield. However, what that allowed is that when Liverpool was in, were in possession, this allowed Fabinho and Thiago to just have have control. And I don't think they capitalised with it that much. So, I mean, that's that's kind of fortunate for for Real Madrid because um, they they could have. I feel like if Thiago had a pretty poor game. I felt like Fabinho wasn't. As influential as what he could have been and Henderson played his his standard role so there wasn't a lot to talk about from him but the fact that Real Madrid gave up that midfield space in order to have that direct long ball which took a lot of territory out to Vinicius or to Benzema for the counter-attack kind of worked in their favor which shocked me a little bit um, but they gave, they came into this first half nil nil controversially some might say but for those who think that that Benzema goal should have counted. Please go and read the rules, because the rule book literally says that it was not a deliberate play at the ball by Fabinho, meaning the last touch was was a deflection, which meaning that the last touch came off the last touch from the Real Madrid player, which was Valverde, was into an offside position at the time of happening. Sorry, I didn't explain that well, but Benzema's goal was rightfully disallowed because because the last touch. So, like, how do I explain this without tying myself in knots? Benzema's goal was rightfully disallowed because the last touch from a Real Madrid player coincided with Benzema being offside. And all the touches from the Liverpool players in between those two moments weren't deliberate plays of the ball. Meaning they count as deflections, meaning they're not deliberate, like they're not taking possession. So, they don't count. It's. I don't understand why it's that hard for many people to understand. It, do people think it's a Liverpool bias? I mean, that's always going to be thrown around, but that's just nonsense. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, it was. It was quite rightfully disallowed and quite obviously disallowed as well. I didn't. I was actually shocked that it took that long to disallow the goal. But anyway, yeah, they went into halftime 0-0. Andrew Madrid would have been the happier side after. The first forty-five minutes, I know that Liverpool, like I said, had the had the better chances, but Real Madrid knew their game plan. They were going to sit back, wait for the counter, wait for the one chance, and Liverpool needed to score early, and they didn't. So it was a little bit of cat and mouse: who's going to strike first? Can Liverpool make the breakthrough? And Liverpool probably should have made the breakthrough pretty early on. They had again the 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 the, the game continued on as it did. It was a very very similar second half to how it was in the first. Just domination from Liverpool. And it was a counter-attack which we all thought was going to happen, which did happen. The ball went down the right-hand side um, for Valverde, who did well to get into a pocket of space and to fling a ball across goal for um, Vinicius Junior. Now, Vinicius Junior scored the goal, but Vinicius Junior also won Real Madrid the Champions League final for a couple of reasons. He... He was the catalyst for Real Madrid's danger. Without Vinicius Junior, Liverpool don't have a Real Madrid don't have a threat on the counter attack. Meaning Liverpool were able to play with a lot more freedom, um, less stress that they could be hit on the counter. And he was by far the key into the in this game. And it was fitting that he scored the goal. Trent Alexander Arnold was he sleeping? Uh, I mean, you can say that, but I'm not sure many right backs would be that alert um, to that scenario. I think it's harsh to say that he was at fault for that goal. It was just a brilliant play from Valverde, a brilliant play from, from Real Madrid and a good finish from Vinicius. And then it was a moment of Alright, what next? What do Liverpool do to um try and salvage a, a result? They brought on Keita, they brought on Firmino, um they brought on who else did they bring on? They brought so they brought Jota on for Diaz, they brought Firmino and, and um and Keita on for Henderson and Tiago obviously going for that extra attacking midfield that extra attacking player. I thought Firmino came on provided a spark, provided a presence. I thought Jota was damn it was dangerous rather. But you speak about it, it's all you want when, you, when when it doesn't really matter when you have when Real Madrid have a 6 foot 10 Belgian in goal who just did not want to let anything through. It was I mean we the the chance was the was the most solid chance. Lovely crossfield ping from... It might have been Andy Robertson or even maybe Fabinho. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Fabinho, actually. Lovely crossfield pass. Salah takes it in his stride and does a beautiful feint to get past Mendy. Um, And... Nine times out of ten, that's a goal. Any any other goalkeeper, any other team on any other day, that's a goal and it's 1-1. But... It almost seemed that it was a force field, that it wasn't just his arms and his legs and his body that was in goal. It was also just like a two-meter force field around him, which just wasn't allowing anything. So um, that was probably the biggest chance. And then Liverpool just kept pressing, kept pressing, but nothing was... There was no give. There was no give. I said this this, um, last week, I said that Liverpool have no give. Well, Real Madrid had no give. They just did not give Liverpool an inch. They they, 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 they didn't give him a chance. They didn't give him a real chance to, to get back into the game because of just the quality of their players, quality of Courtois. I thought the back four was fantastic. The midfield, like I said, played a very pivotal role in the counter-attacking way that Real Madrid wanted to play, which meant that on the stats, they might have got dominated. I know Fabinho was very influential Thiago had a lot of the ball, just wasn't on for some reason. He, he played a very, I don't think Thiago played very well. Um, so yeah, it is, it, it's one of those games where you can look back on and, and say what would have happened, what could have happened. But Liverpool fall at the final hurdle in a season that could have ended in a quadruple has only ended in two domestic cups, which is heartbreaking for them. I still do think that this is the best Liverpool team. Oh, sorry, I still do think that this Liverpool team is one of the best in Premier League history regardless of what the trophy cabinet says. For those who know football, know that that's fact. This Liverpool team is one of the best Liverpool teams in modern history. So it's just a shame that they only have one Premier League and one Champions League to to show for it because they've been unbelievable this season and in the past couple of seasons seasons as well. Um, Yeah, Real Madrid, kudos to them. I do take blame for Real Madrid winning it because I said all the way back... When PSG beat them one 0 I said that Real Madrid don't don't. I said Real Madrid don't deserve to go through, and they went through, and they went through again, they went through again, and they won the Champions League. So good on them, Carlo Ancelotti, some manager, Karim Benzema, some player, Luka Modric, some player. Good on them. They deserved it. They play. They were perhaps not the best team over the tournament, but they were the one, the team that won each leg and won the trophy at the end. So I guess by that by that definition, there's no team better. Um, I think that's enough Champions League final talk. It was, again, there wasn't really a lot to analyse from the game because it was pretty Liverpool-heavy domination, so it wasn't back and forth where there was a lot of tactical elements to play. I think the biggest tactical element, like I said, was that um, massive gap, the, 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 the depth... That Real Madrid played with having Benzema and Vinicius all the way up and having Valverde, covered, um, Valverde Modric, Casemiro and Tony Cruz basically playing two meters in front of the back four. That depth allowed the counter attack to happen, which allowed the goal to happen, which allowed Real Madrid to win. So good on them, congratulations, commiserations, Liverpool fans. You still got you guys still had a fantastic season, and it's a shame that your season will be remembered as for two for losing the Premier League and Champions League when. Should a ball bounce two metres the other way or should the player be a yard slower or should whatever whatever happen, Liverpool probably win both trophies. It's fine margins, fine margins, but it is what it is. You can't really control that. And moving on to the second part of this podcast and it will be reacting to my Premier League predictions. Now, hopefully I have the graphic design skills, or I find the website that allows me to customize my own Premier League table so I can put my predictions on this side and the actual table on this side. But let's go from bottom to top. Now, Now I've also done the golden boot, player of the year, young player of the year, signing of the season, and first manager sacked. So you're also going to see my horrendous predictions for those. But let's start from bottom to top. Relegation places. I had Burnley, Southampton, Watford. Burnley and Watford, tick. Granted, I didn't get them either in the right place, but they both went down. That's the tick in my books. Southampton, major L. <laughs> um, major, major L. Yeah, not happy with that. Um, Brogier and Liveramento and James Ward-Prowse, these guys played well, did well for them. So, um, yeah, so, very disappointed about that, but they had, a, they had a pretty good season by their standards. I'm not really sure it could have been a lot better if if that if you were to call it that, um, it was, of course, a 15th place finish for them. And I know they had a pretty poor back end of the season. So they, they didn't win a game. Um, they only won one game in the final three months of the season. So, yeah, they had a poor back end, but they were never really faced to going down. So their season is a lot better than what this the table says that it is. Now let's move on to, let's go 17th to 14th. This is, I've got one, which is very, I'm very happy with one of them. I've got two, which are horrendous. And I've got one, which I'm happy with. Slightly less happy with than the other one, but still happy with nonetheless. So I've got 17th place, Wolves. 16th place, Brentford. 15th place, Norwich. And 14th place, Newcastle. Uh okay. Let's go, Wolves. I underestimated them so badly. Uh, Bruno Lage done fantastically well. They had a poor back end of the season, but I'm not really sure that they, the Wolves fans care. Never, never a threat to go down. Always a threat for European European places. And Bruno Lage, credit to him because I can't really I can't really think of a player that stood out for them, but they just. They were just fantastic, so good on them. 16th place, Brentford. Happy with this. A lot of people thought they would go down. I had faith in them. I know they finished slightly higher than 16th. They finished 13th, but based off what everyone else was saying, that they were going to go down, I was happy with that. I kept them up and kept them relatively safe. Um, 15th place, Norwich. I thought they were better, man. I thought Cantwell was going to do the business. I thought Zolis was going to do the business. Rashika, Max Ahrens, Lise Malou, Tim Mipuki, Josh, Josh Sargent. Ah, uh, well, it is what it is. Bad went down. Thanks, Norwich. Um, and 14th place, Newcastle, which I know they finished 11th, but this was, this was a Newcastle team with Steve Bruce at the helm with Joel Linton playing up front and a tumultuous fan base which hated everything going on with that club so good on them i feel like next season they're going to press for european places no doubt with the investment that they're going to get with eddie howe at the helm with Jolinton being the best box-to-box box-to-box midfielder in the world newcastle will be in that top four not top four um top eight places next season put in the bank now i've got let's go 13 to 10 i've got two which i'm happy with and i've got Two, which I'm not happy with. got 13th, West Ham. 12th, Everton. 11th, Crystal Palace. And 10th, Brighton. Everton and West Ham, I'm unhappy with. And they're on both ends of the spectrum. I didn't think either team would do as poorly and as well as they did. Everton, I thought Rafa would have them playing not bad football. Just getting through the season. Getting through, going through the motions. But for whatever reason, they just didn't. They just, yeah, nearly went down. So thanks, Everton, for that. West Ham, I thought that they would have that second season syndrome, or not second season syndrome, but they would drop off from last season. I thought, um, I thought, what, what, I, I thought that the Europa League campaign, that's what I was going to say, the Europa League campaign was going to hinder them heavily. It obviously didn't. So good on them. They're back in European football next season, only in the conference, but it is still European football. Um, let's go from 11th to, no, sorry, Palace and Brighton, happy with both of these, Palace only got one place off, and I only got Brighton one place off as well, many, a lot of people had Palace to go down, I'm surprised by that, because their team is stacked with talent, man, I know Gallagher's leaving at the end of the season, but you got Gway and Anderson, Tyreek Mitchell, Michael Alise, as a Abrecha-Eze, Mateta, like, Ed- Odson Eduard, These good team, man. Very talented squad, and Patrick Vieira at the helm um, is a is a good manager to have managing those teams. or managing that team. I feel like their midfield is going to be their their point of strength. They're going to get a couple midfielders in, and they're going to be very good next season. And Brighton, I always I love I've loved the Brighton since Graham Potter took over. I think I love Graham Potter more than anything. But uh, yeah, a lot of people had them. I th- no, I think I think that's a reasonable prediction. Predicting them a tenth. A lot of people had them mid-table. So yeah, happy with that. Now let's go with ninth to let's go ninth to sixth, and this is probably my worst stretch. 9th I had Arsenal, tenth I had Tottenham, seventh I had Leeds, and sixth I had Aston Villa. God, God, no. Villa and Leeds, I thought they'd do a lot better than what they did. I thought Marcelo Bielsa would be able to take that Leeds team to good places. Quite clear that wasn't the case. Um, and Aston Villa, I thought that they, I thought that the Jack really sh- um departure wouldn't hinder them. I thought Buendia would hit the ground running, and you'll see my my points on that a little bit later. Um, I thought Bendeut Bende would hit the ground running. I thought Ings was such a shrewd signing. I thought he'd bang goals. I thought Leon Bailey would have a better season than what he did. Nothing happened. Dean Smith sacked, teetering on relegation, and Gerard getting them out of it. So good on Villa for staying up, but I hate you for making me look like an absolute fool. Now, moving on to fifth. Let's, go fi- let's do fifth by itself. And... This is, by far and away, my proudest prediction. 5th place, Manchester United. Now, a lot of people had United either finishing top 4 quite comfortably or winning the league. And I said this at the start of the season. I was like, Manchester United will not get top 4 with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at the helm. And, with Ronaldo signing, there will only be a hindrance. I said that at the start of the season. I wrote an article saying that Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't Manchester, wasn't Manchester United's savior. That they should have invested the money somewhere else. And that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wasn't the man to take United forward. I'll leave the link to that article in the description. Read it. It's good. Um, and I guess I can say is that I told you so. I guess what I can say is I told you so. Because, because I mean, I mean. Everyone else had them finishing top four. I know some people had them finishing finishing top and winning the league. I saw. I've got the I've got the brains. I say that as I predicted Villa and Leeds to finish the two places below them and Wolves to nearly get relegated. So maybe that was a fluke. Who knows? Or maybe it's just my inner hatred for Manchester United seeping through. Um, I don't actually hate them. I just don't like them. I'm neutral, as as um, former UFC champion Robert Whitaker would say. I don't if 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 you're Manchester United, I don't I I don't like you. But I don't dislike you either. So which is very neutral. Um, and then let's do fourth. I had Leicester. Again, the less said about that the better. I thought that I had a better season. I thought Patson would, would play well. I know he did towards the back end of the season, he started showing something. I thought Ian would be a big part of seeing Vardy through I thought Madison would hit the ground running. He did. it, Oh, not hit the ground running, but fine form. He didn't really find form. Um, yeah. Just a lot. A lot went wrong for Le- Leicester this season. They had a fantastic back end of the season, so good on them. But, um, yeah. Very touch and go. Touch and go season for Leicester. And the top three, I had bang on. I had Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City. Um, yeah. I mean, I knew Chelsea would finish third. I didn't think Chelsea were going to win the league. I thought, and I I, I don't think I said this publicly anywhere, but I did have a feeling that it would be a three-horse three horse race for a while before Chelsea would eventually drop off, and then it'd be Liverpool City, which did come to fruition. I know that's not the most outlandish prediction, but I did say that, so that did happen. Um, Liverpool City, it, it was a toss-up. It was literally a coin flip, which ended up, that's how the season nearly ended, Um by a point so yeah it was it was just whoever I whoever I fancied on the day and I fancied Man City um, for what reason I don't know but yes so they were my like te- like ladder premiership, Premier League predictions let's go to my individual player like player awards um, predictions Golden Boot uh, Mo Salah tick I know Sun got it as well, but tick. So happy with that. Uh, here we go. Player of the Year at Kai Havertz. <laughs> is that my Chelsea bias going through? It 100% is. Yeah, just, did, just didn't just did didn't take that form on from the Champions League final. I thought that he would take that and just go and just become an outstanding player. Found form towards the back end of the season playing as that number nine false, false nine striker type role. But it is what it is. Quite clearly wasn't wasn't up to standard. Quite clearly wasn't wasn't near it. So, um yeah. It is what it is. Young Player of the Year, uh Mason Mount. I mean, I'm not too angry about that. I actually don't know if he's eligible for Young Player of the Year, but obviously it was full full Phil Foden winning that. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's tough. It's tricky for young player of the year because you don't know what player is gonna explode. I don't think Foden deserved young player of the year. Can I just say? And I don't think De Bruyne deserved player of the year as well. I thought both of them were undeserved. I think because City won the league, they were just given it. Um, so yeah, young player of the year. I'm not too upset about that because young player of the year is very mercurial. You have players winning what young player of the year and then disappearing off the face of the earth within three seasons. So anyway, it's got a signing of the season. This is so signing of the season and first manager sacked is probably where I showed my footballing knowledge least. Signing of the season, I had Emi Buendia. Great, that was good. I just I I really liked him. I really liked him at Norwich. I thought he was gonna be a quality player for for Aston Villa, and I thought he'd be the Jack Grealish like for like replacement, and I thought the output would be the same. Quite clearly, wasn't didn't didn't get a foothold into the season. Didn't hit the ground running. Wasn't able to get anything out of the season. So yeah, Amy Buendia was my young was my um, signing of the season. Who was the actual signing of the season? Christian Eriksen maybe. Um, Luis Diaz maybe. Uh, Martin Odegaard maybe. Who else? Who else played really well? That was a. I mean, Ronaldo, yeah, it's probably is Ronaldo, let's be honest. He's just come to my mind now. Yeah, probably is Ronaldo. Anyway, and the first manager sacked, I guess you can tell by my Premier League predictions which team I thought would be very poor this season. And no, it wasn't Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and no, it wasn't Nuno Espirito Santos, it was Mikel Arteta. Ah, uh, well, it is what it is. I mean, I guess, I guess hindsight's 2020, isn't it? I don't know how poorly I actually did in terms of like how far different teams I know Leicester finished like eighth I don't finish like ninth or something. Um, or eighth and I don't know which teams I got the furthest off. I know Wolves I got horrendously wrong, Norwich I got very poor, uh Leeds and Villa I got poor as well, Leicester I didn't do great either. But hopefully the top getting the top three in order helped my cause a little bit. Um so yeah, those were my Premier League predictions. Um I'm gonna do them on the podcast next season, so you have factual in your factual concrete evidence of my predictions. they'll come out probably a week before the season starts give or take um and hopefully the trend so is the i don't know the rules on the trends window, but hopefully it can be finished before the season started so I can actually give my predictions for that anyway um anyway yes. That's that's enough for the Premier League predictions. Um, So hopefully I've been able to do some graphics, some graphic design on either side of me where I can just bring them up to show an actual comparison. If not, you're just going to have to remember them and maybe bring up the table on the side. But anyway, let's move on to... Actually, no, no. Let's move on to the A-League Men's Grand Final... I only want to touch on this briefly because I'm not really sure it's that too big of a talking point. But Western United won the A-League Men's Grand Final. They defeated Melbourne City 2-0. It was an own goal and a, maybe not controversial, but dubious um, VAR-approved goal. Good on Western United. Um, I'm happy that they won. I hate hate Melbourne City with a passion. So that's probably not a good thing to say. But uh, yeah, I... I would have no, that's a lie. I don't hate Melbourne City. I just would have preferred Western United to win. So now every club in Melbourne has a premiership trophy, has the toilet seat. Um, for the for the international viewers, if you don't if you don't understand that toilet seat reference, type up A League men's premiership trophy. If it shows you a photo of a plate. So that's that's the premier's plate. That's a team that finishes top at the end of the regular season. And then basically the top six go into a playoff system where it's playoffs, each team versus, like, it's, what is it? It's third versus sixth, fourth versus fifth, the winner versus first and second, and then the final And then the winner gets a trophy, which looks sort of very, very, very similar to a toilet seat. So um, it's good fun. You can put your head through it. It's great. Um Yeah, so West United won. I saw a lot of West United fans on the street as I was out gallivanting around Melbourne CBD on Saturday night. Um, Yeah, it was good to see them up and about. I gave some bloke an interview. Definitely didn't play for West United, but he had an 18-inch pizza all to himself. So good on, guy. If you're watching, good on you, mate. I'm hoping you finished it. I actually don't know what the pizza was. Probably Margarita by, by the looks of him. And margarita pizza, top quality, underrated. Anyway, that was it. Alexander previch was the catalyst, for, or the catalyst was the key for, for Western United, provided so many dangerous, just he, he's so dangerous, man. Like, he's very, very good, very, very threatening, and he could be leaving Western United, so that would be a very poor, not poor business decision, but it would be very unfortunate if he did leave for their sake. And let's move on. To Sadio Mane, to Bayern Munich confirmed, here we go, Fabrizio Romano's all but confirmed it. Um, uh, It was, yeah, uh, there was a video going around which where Sadio Mane was like, yeah, I'll announce where I'm going after the Champions League final. I think that all but confirmed that he was going to leave, because if he was going to stay, why doesn't he just announce that he's going to stay? Like That would just give your team more morale and then more emphasis to go and win the game. But he's leaving is off to by by Munich and I'm not gonna do a tactical piece on it because I can't be bothered. But I just want to speak about Sadio Mane's career at Liverpool. I, I think it's fair to say that Sadio Mane has had a better Liverpool legacy than Fernando Torres, than Luis Suarez, than all than arguably Stephen Gerard. Because he's won a Premier League, he's won Champions League, he's won FA Cup. Been unbelievable throughout. I think he's won a Golden Boot as well. He might have as well. I don't know, but he's just been fantastic for Liverpool from minute one. From minute one, Sadio Mane was Liverpool's best player, and then when Salah came, he kind of shied away a little bit. But he's hit. But he's gone leaps and bounds since a couple of seasons ago. He's been phenomenal for Liverpool. Phenomenal. So. To see where he's come from, to see him finally... Well, not finally getting a big move, but to see him going to Liverpool, developing himself, establishing himself as one of the best wingers in Europe, and then move to Bayern Munich for his swung, swung song, um, it's good to see. So congratulations, Stadio, if you're watching. Um, yeah, so that that's it. I just wanted to get that out there because I thought it was interesting to say. Now, let's move on. Sli- slightly short episode this week because obviously not a lot happened, obviously. Just the Champions League final. Um let's move on to who went into footed basically the only segment on this podcast where I basically look at who did something daft who did something dumb what player club organisation team manager pundit whoever presenter whoever did something daft in the world of football and who went into footed this week is two people one slightly funny slightly funny thing and one slightly more serious Richard Arlison (laughs) Now, for those who are on Twitter, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And for those who aren't on Twitter, let me just give you a big let me just give you the cliff notes. Basically, this these Everton fans set up a fake bus company to take Liverpool fans from Liverpool to Paris, under the name Bus Innovations Limited, something like that. Um, and the head driver was Richard Arlison, which, unless you're two years old, you would quite under you would clearly know what that who that is, Rich Arleson from Everton. And it went viral. A bunch of Liverpool fans were stranded in, in in Liverpool outside a pub in Liverpool. Great banter. I love that. That's so good. And then Rashadson retweeting this photo after Liverpool's Champions League fi- final is fucking phenomenal banter. I love it. It's so good. Anyway, it's it's one of those things which that's why that's why that's why Liverpool fans really should have been cheering for for Everton to um. Stay up because these rivalries are so good. Anyway, let's get re- let's get down to the serious stuff. And it is UEFA and the French police. Now, Champions League final was delayed by half an hour because UEFA and the French police are incompetent at their job. Basically, they they blamed their poor structure and their poor preparation and their poor planning and their understaffed and their under. They're just incompetent at running a, a fluid event on Liverpool fans breaking into the stadium. I've heard from multiple sources, multiple Liverpool sources and multiple neutral sources that that was absolute bollocks. That that was fake, that that was fake news, that the French police used tear gas way too early. They basically just tear gassed people waiting and lining up for, for, to, to get into the ground the UEFA didn't help, they just put the blame on Liverpool and delayed the Champions League final by 30 minutes, 36 minutes in fact. Your incompetence has taken the limelight off what would should have been a very good Champions League final. But, I'm pretty sure everyone knows what happened, so I'm not going to explain it, but UEFA, you're a joke. You're a disgrace. And the French police should be ashamed of themselves. And should have a long, long, hard look into the mirror. But, uh, by, all, by all accounts, this isn't a first-time thing. You England fans were given similar treatment back in the year of 2016. So, is it a racism thing? Because it seems to only happen to the English. And as much as the English have a bad reputation, I don't think Liverpool fans are doing anything wrong, for all I've seen. For all I've seen, they were just... Obvi- obviously, there's exceptions to every rule, and obviously, there are bad eggs. In the basket. But... For the majority of things... for the, Looking at it from a holistic perspective... Liverpool fans didn't seem to be doing anything wrong. They were just... Treated like criminals. When they were just wanting to watch their team. Playing a Champions League final. So yeah. Paris. And the French police should be ashamed of yourself. You should have a long hard look into the mirror. About why you treat innocent people like... Like animals. Um, yeah. It's happening this is it i don't want to scream discrimination but it seems so like i said it seems so only happened to the english i haven't seen this type of thing reported on a mass scale like it was when it happened to english fans in Euro 2016 and then obviously um in and obviously in um over the weekend so yeah you guys make your own mind up i'm just posing the question Anyway, so that is the end. That is the final episode of the season for the Two Foot Tackle Podcast. It's been a wonderful journey. Started this back in January with my now with my microphone, which is still here, still using it. Um, no camera, no lighting, just my laptop. Just wanted to speak about some football, and it's grown to something not not substantial, should I say that? But it, but hey, it's grown to a lot more than what I thought it would have grown. So I'm forever grateful if for I've made one person laugh, one person smile, one person angry, one person more knowledgeable from this podcast then I've achieved my goal and some. Yeah. Thank you all very much for watching. See you guys maybe next week, maybe the week after, maybe in a month's time. Who knows? Make sure to check out the socials because I'll be doing more updates. Um, I'll be doing updates... Where I am, what what to go with the podcast, Two Foot Attack Podcast on Instagram and TikTok, TFT Pod, Two FT Pod on Twitter, and then obviously subscribe on YouTube, follow on on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor. Give it a five star five star rating or whatever the equivalent is on your platform. Notification bell so you don't miss an episode. Thank you all very much for watching. Thank you very much for this season. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for the support. It really means it really means so much. I am forever grateful. And hopefully this is just the start of something, something pretty special. So thank you all very much for watching. Stay well, stay safe. See you guys next time. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. See you guys next week, maybe. Goodbye.